Colden FM. Around the planet on the World Wide Web. The sound of magic. From the North Devon coast to the Atlantic shores. From the tropical rainforests to the sunny Azores. From Icelandic wastelands to Australian deserts. This is Cauldron FM, where the magic really happens. Enter Merlin! But beware, do not interrupt his magic! Well, hi, ladies and gentlemen, and tonight my guest is a lady called Celia Ferran. And Celia has been described as a cross between an earthy Enya, Joan Byers, and Tina Fey. And it goes on to say that she dishes up the most delicious concoctions of the silly and the sacred, with powerful, heartfelt vocals and wacky comedic improvisations. The audience never knows what's going to happen with Celia on stage. And I hope it's going to be a bit like that in this interview this evening. So, <laughs> can I start by asking you a very, very simple question, and that is, who is Celia Ferran? Oh, my goodness, such a simple question indeed. <laughs> well, if you're asking me, say, musically or artistically, I grew up around music. My mother was very integral in the making of Irish Fest Milwaukee. She was the person who started the Irish Fest Summer School. So I was around musicians and dancers and became one, very influenced influenced by the Celtic and the Irish music, and also theater. So I started doing theater at a very, very young age and training and doing the school plays and then the high school plays and the community theater and then training and then going off to college and getting a degree in theater performance and then going off to New York and getting my equity card and doing theater shows and musical theater and singing and acting and dancing and whatnot until I, I reached a point where I said, you know what, I think I want to do my own thing. Instead of standing in line to be in a Broadway show, I decided I wanted to bring forth my own creations and kind of dropped it like a hot rock and started doing Irish music. My first album was all Irish songs. My second was all Irish stories and then went from there into original music. And now I've got, I think, 10 albums. This new one I'm releasing is called Shaman Journey. And that's more meditative in nature. But I have Irish music. I have Irish stories. I have all original things. I have things that are pagan and Celtic in nature. I have things that are sort of new thought, personal growth in nature, and comedy. I have the Trestlefoot Fairy CD. She's been well-loved with her Dr. Bronner's Make Sure Hoo Hoo Tingle song. So I like to think that um, Celia is sort of... Uh, I like to be interested in, in what inspires me and bring it forth and then see what the next thing is and bring that forth. So there's my 
longer than a hundred flights elevator speech on who I am in this moment. <laughs> That's great. Fantastic. Now, I'd like to delve a little bit deeper into that because you have been described, again, by somebody else. And I have to say that finding stuff out about you has been extremely difficult. You, really? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I went on to Celia online and... I got sort of a few videos and that sort of thing, but couldn't really get any written stuff to, to, to sort of pull information from. So I then started looking on Google, trying to find you on Wikipedia and all that sort of thing. And really, it was very, very difficult. So I've, I've not really got a great deal. But one of the things that I did find was that you've been described as providing music for the now age. So, I mean, I don't know whether you've heard that comment before. <laughs> no, that's great. <laughs> Print it. <laughs> it was absolutely brilliant, yes. And uh, I just, what I was going to say to you was, how would you actually determine the now age in Celia's world? Mmm, nice, nice question. Well, you know, they say people have talked about the new age which I find intriguing because a lot of the, say, earth-based or pagan religions are really the old age, but it's coming into the new again. And also the new thought world, if you think about the secret and all of the things that Oprah brings about with Deepak Chopra and this way of new thinking, you know, our thoughts create our reality. I do a lot of music for New Thought Churches, Centers for Spiritual Living and Unity Churches, as well as pagan festivals or events. So I, I like to walk the line between the old religion and the new religion and spirituality, thought, consciousness. And something I've noticed about my songs is a lot of times, I'll take something that's a shadow concept or something dark, and I will address it let it be the shadow, but then spin it at the end. And that's one of the things I like to do is bring the light, bring the shadow and the light and let consciousness carry us through. So the songs come through for whatever reason. I don't even know sometimes why they come through. But I really love the concept of raising the vibrational frequency and energy of the planet so i like to take things to a positive direction but i have absolutely no trouble bringing out the shadow as well i think we need both it's a question of balance as the moody blues once said yes i know earlier on you you said that um, your mum um who i've seen a photograph of actually standing there with you and uh, very similar eyes I think I lost you there, Dave. I'm back. Can you hear me now? Yeah, I, I was saying, I, I saw a photograph of you and your mum earlier on today. And uh, oh, I was yes. surprised that the, the eyes, the eyes are very, very similar. One of the things that you said was that she was sort of very much involved in the Irish community. If I picked up on that properly. And that leads me into the next question, which I was going to ask you about, which was your Celtic roots, because... As you quite rightly said, there are albums that you've done which are purely Celtic music, Irish music, and that sort of thing. Because of your mum's influence, do you think that was really why you got into sort of that sort of part of your musical creativity? 
Absolutely. My mother had a great deal to do with me going in the direction that I, I did for a career choice. She was constantly encouraging all of us kids to put an instrument in our hands, or she would take us to the piano lessons, take us to the, my sister and I to the Irish dance lessons. I was very influenced by watching my brothers perform when I was a child. My brothers played guitar and banjo, respectively, and you know they started when they were five-ish. And I watched my brothers play on stage. You know that feeling where you get the goosebumps, you get the goose flesh mm -hmm. and the chills through your body, and this, something powerful energetically moves through you. Well, I experienced that watching them, and I said, I want to do that. I want to create that for people. So I've really got this sense of wanting to be a conduit, be that energy that allowed people to have whatever experience they were going to have. When I was, when I was a kid, I wanted to give them the tingles. I wanted to make them cry. And now a little more maturity and realize that however it lands is however it needs to land. Um, I am just the messenger. I will bring it forth. And you can love it. You can hate it. All is well. It, it is here for you to be a catalyst for whatever you are here to gain. So that was integral. And of course, growing up with the Irish music, you know, listening to Tommy Makem and the Clancy Brothers growing up and Pete Seeger. And there's a certain showmanship in that type of music, in that genre, that folk music that I don't see so much today there is the, now we have oh big ex extreme lights and smoke and blowing things up and video and fast and but there was a certain connection with the audience that i grew up with being around these musicians being around this music that i thought was so magical and wanted to be able to facilitate that myself as a performer so yes i got incredible in Influence. In fact, my mother and I were talking this morning about some of the things that we listened to when we were growing up. Like, like I really should list Gilbert and Sullivan as some of my influences because we were singing the Pirates of Penzance this morning. And, and um, uh, Spike Jones, of all people. I have to go back and listen to some <laughs> of Spike Jones. My parents were listening to that. Yeah, there were these programs called Let's Pretend. I have to go look online and see if I can find them. You know, come one, come all. Da -da 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 I, I don't remember all the words, but my mother read me Winnie the Pooh as a child with feeling, and she was always doing the storytelling at the end of the just reading them. But she was she she did all the characters. She's quite a character herself. So absolutely, I got some incredible influences growing up, and not only that, the encouragement. So. When I said I wanted to do this, it was the door got opened in every possible way to say, yes, you can do this. I never got the speech, well, what are you going to fall back on? Never, not once. And my mother to this day has been so positive and uh, giving, uh, promoting me. She owns a metaphysical store in Spring Green, Wisconsin, which is where I am now. And people come in and she's got the music playing and she will strike up a conversation. And she's actually pretty good about not saying that I'm her daughter. <laughs> <laughs> and she's uh, co-producing a show that I'm doing here in um, the area. She's a wonderful, wonderful lady, and she knows how to promote, how to produce, how to put package something together and really make it make it sell. And that is the other piece I got from her as well, because she taught me how to produce and use the left part of the brain. So as an artist, I can make my living, not just 
you know, performing, but letting people know about it so that it comes together so that I don't sit in a closet <laughs> making music and have no one hear it, which I know is, is, is challenging for independent artists. It's very hard for us to get out there and be heard when there's so many loud voices with millions of dollars to throw at, you know, belly rings and flesh. So not that that's a bad thing. It's just not necessarily what, what I'm about and I don't have the budget for, you know, 50 background dancers and, and you know, light shows and whatnot. Not yet. Not yet. Not It'd yet. Be fun. Not yet. It would be fun. So thanks for asking about my mom. She is great. And she shares the same name as me, Cecilia Farron, as well. Yes, yes, I, I did notice that. I was listening very, very intently there to the things that you were talking about. And you've very, very similar path to my own. No, Spike Jones, yes. Gilbert Sullivan, <laughs> yes. I was on stage at the age of five working with a, a, a church theatre group and they were doing a show called The Crazy Gang and they, they wanted a, a little boy to go on stage in one scene. So my dad sort of thrust me up on the stage and said, there you go. And that was <laughs> it. I, I got the smell of the grease paint and the taste of the crowd in my mouth and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, to a point, but then as I sort of got into my sort of teens years um, and I started to develop my side of me that was the songwriter and the creative musician, um, and I sort of had said that I wanted to be a musician and that was my chosen career. And my dad then turned around and said, I don't know why you want to do that. You know, I got the speech then. Um, nobody ever made a decent living out of the music industry and all that. Oh, stuff. No, my heart breaks for you. Oh, thank you. You're so kind. So, as I say, I mean, I, I got that speech and for a long, long time, I sort of took notice of what he was saying. And then in probably about 20 years ago, I sort of broke out of that shell and mm. I sort of decided, no, hell, to hell with it. I am a musician. I am a creative and that's the way I'm going to live my life. And nice. from that moment forwards, then that's the way I've done it. And he now accepts. He doesn't fully understand, but he accepts where I'm, where I'm at. Unfortunately, that is part of the story, and that's why I needed to sort of say that to you. But getting back to you and your career, I read or heard, I can't remember which, a brilliant tale about how Tressel got her name. And for those... <laughs> For those people that don't know, Tressel is this superb character that Celia has created. So will you first of all tell us who Tressel is and then how on earth she got her name? Thank you. Yes, the Tresselford Fairy is um, a very irreverent yet innocent little being who has unique views of the world and brings them through with song and and little expositions. She has her own CD called Naughty in Pink. And what I tell people when they come to my CD table at shows is, if you are prudish, stay away from it. <laughs> <laughs> I could understand that. Yes, she does not swear. She's, she's not inappropriate in that way. But she will turn a phrase and use innuendo in such a way that it just tends to end up being very intriguing. We'll say that. And so... 
The story behind Tressel, she was birthed many, many years ago, very early on in my career. I was driving my car. It was probably an old red Toyota Tercel, 19... I don't even know what year it was. And uh, my sister and her friends were driving with me. We were driving off to go hiking. And my sister was talking in the back. I was in my own little world and listening to her story about this uh, desk that she had just gotten from Ikea, which I don't know if you have Ikea over there. It's a very large, um, inexpensive furniture store that you usually put things together yourself. Yes. Okay. So she had gotten this desk. She was in architectural school and she was talking about how it had trestle feet. I wasn't really following, but after a little bit of this, uh, this voice came out of me. I don't know how, I don't know where that said, okay. Trestle Foot Fairy. <laughs> um, and Trestle was born as a voice. I just started playing with her and doing things like if I needed to leave someone a phone message, I would say, just want to check that we're still on for three o'clock for coffee on Friday. Oh, wait, there's someone who wants to talk to you. And I'd hand the phone to Trestle, and Trestle would say, Hi, this is Trestle, and I just want to make sure that I can come along too. And I'm a little shorter, so can we get a booster stool? Or if nothing else, can we put some phone books on top of the chair so that I can play along too? But I probably shouldn't have any coffee because Celia says that makes me a little too excited. I'm already very excited. Okay, hope to see see you later okay bye and you know whatever would come out just like it just did right there and just had this blast with this little voice and people then started leaving me messages in return with their alter ego voices <laughs> it was great fun and she came out in physical form the very first time around my 30th birthday. I was doing a, a concert once a month at a place called Derry Haggerty's Pub in uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I promised people that I would give them a new show with new material every month, which was kind of insane, actually. But it brought about all these characters, including Trestle and Libby the Librarian and John the Drunken Irishman and all these different characters that I do that most people would not know about unless they saw me live. So, Trestle wrote a song called The Cell Phone Song. You know, how could I live without my... I'll, I'll sing it. I'll, do, I'll let her do it. How could I live without my cell phone? I'd simply fall apart without TV. How could I breathe without my iPod? And I've crumbled to bits without my DVD. So, that's the chorus. And she started doing songs. And she came out in physical form. And now... Uh, I actually do don the very, very pink outfit and tutu and little hair pieces that she wears. It's very Brechtian. I, I transform on stage by doing crazy, wacky things with my hair. And then Trussell busts out her little ukulele that's pink that has a little pink fairy painted on it and sings songs such as these. So that is the story of Trussell. She has become a beloved favorite of many. She has run for president the last two elections. Much to her chagrin, she found out that politics is just not nearly as rosy as her perception of it should be. <laughs> But she does have very interesting views of how the world really could and should be if humans started treating each other the way fairies would. And that is the story of Trestle. That's absolutely great. It's, it's totally insane and off the wall, but it's absolutely fantastic. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just talking to my sweetheart, Charlie, that, you know, you know I, I do crazy things with him all the time and funny voices and... 
And uh, yeah, I, I suppose someone could say that I was crazy, but I make a very good point to get paid for it. So then that takes craziness to genius level. <laughs> of course, absolutely. And more power to your elbow for managing that one. Thank you. <laughs> um, so one other thing that I, I would like to touch on before I sort of talk to you about what's going on right now is, um, and it's still relevant, is your um, path into a pagan lifestyle, or not necessarily a pagan lifestyle, but you're, you you touched on paganism um, earlier in the conversation. Um, I don't know whether you actually class yourself as a pagan or not, but it would be interesting sort of to, to gather what sort of pathway that's taken through your life. Hmm. I do not classify myself as anything. I find Great. that... I like that. I like that. Yeah, thank you. I, I find that I, that I get excited and intrigued by various different paths. And if I find truth in it, I, I just sort of adopt it and put it in my bag of spiritual beliefs or what works for me. And I don't know how to classify that. I certainly am, am not a fundamentalist anything. Uh, but I do like fun. Fun is a very big part of my my being, and I, I am a laughter yoga leader, so I love the concept of laughter and raising the vibrational level with that. But that can also be reached through the heart, through emotion, through story, through drama. So I find that there's many ways to find and embody that essence of of humanity. You know the the part of the, that brings us to a state of awe rather than in the more common experience of the drudgery and the have tos and the shoulds and the to, to do list. For example, I, I let Trestle adopt for me rather than a to do list, we call it a ta da list because when we check something off our list, we get to go ta da! <laughs> so to, the, the, the pagan world, to really address your question, I stepped most assuredly into the pagan world when I wrote a song called Symbol. And the story behind Symbol is I, I was getting news feeds from Circle Sanctuary that's very close to where I am right now in Wisconsin. And the story had come through about Sergeant Patrick Stewart who was in Afghanistan. His, his helicopter was shot down. He was killed in Afghanistan. He was a pagan and his widow requested a pentacle for his grave marker and was denied the request by the VA. And at this time, you know, actually this is very interesting. I think you may appreciate this because I know you are a life coach. I was doing some life coaching at the time and I noticed that one of the mistakes that I had been making and continue to make, by the way, still working on it, is I tend to spend a lot more time in my left brain world promoting than I was doing the thing that only I could do. You know, there's lots of people who are talented in promoting and spreading the word. But the one thing that I know I'm here to do is to bring forth these stories, to be the storyteller, to be the singer-songwriter, to be the musician, to be the voice, to be the singer, to be the characters, to be the comedy. So that's the one thing that, that's, you know, I can't imagine anybody else. Uh, people could probably bring forth Trussell, but she came, sprung forth from that crazy moment driving when my sister talked about her desk, you know. Mm. So I was working with a life coach, and... At this same time, that news feed came in, 
And I did something very courageous for me at the time. I closed my computer down. I stepped away from it. I picked up my guitar and I wrote the symbol song. And all I intended to do was really encapsulate that story and give it to Selena Fox, who was really leading the, the team at that time through Circle Sanctuary, and to Roberta Stewart, who's the widow of Patrick Stewart. And it became known as the anthem to the Pentacle Quest. And I ended up singing it everywhere I possibly could, including churches and coffee houses, theaters, and even Washington with the, the event that we did there. And that changed my career because I became known as a bard who was helping this uh, this concept of a soldier getting their emblem of belief put on their, their grave marker, which to me was just a no-brainer. I, I was stunned when I heard that story. How can a soldier fight for, fight for uh, you know, beliefs that he's not being honored with upon his death. It just did not add up. And every once in a while, a cause will come through that just says, do me. And I go, oh, okay, I guess I'm doing you now. I had no idea. No idea when I wrote the symbol song that I was touching into something that was such a prevalent issue for people who chose paganism and Wiccan uh, as their faith that they were being so discriminated against. I had no idea. And how many children and families have come to me saying that they have fought the good fight in their schools, saying, yes, my child can, by law, wear a pentacle to school and not have to hide it or not have to leave it at home. So that was... an an incredible journey for me, creatively, musically, and also socially, politically, and then religiously, because I became known as a pagan musician, and I do bring forth in my music a great deal of pagan themes. I've been writing songs for Bridget now for some time. I write songs for Mother Earth, Father Sky, these concepts that are so very pagan in in nature, no pun intended, <laughs> but... I do speak to the pagan mindset, and I do have the pagan mindset, though I do not call myself any one thing. I can happily sit in a ritual as happily as I can sit in a church that will be talking about biblical things with Jesus. So I think it's all relevant. Call myself, I, I call myself an all, and I call myself a none because I'm all of it and none of it, and then I can give perspective, hopefully. Yeah. I, I think that, again, there's a, a terrific synergy between you and I there, um, because I walk that similar path. Uh, really? I'm quite happy to go and sit in a church. I mean, I've got one friend who's a, a Jehovah's Witness. I have another one who's a, uh, an elder in the Mormon faith. We have some fantastic discussions you know, I can respect their views and opinions as they respect mine. And so I, I also sort of like to walk that very similar path. The one thing that you said earlier on in that little section was that you spoke about being a laughter yoga leader. And mm -hmm. I was intrigued by that. And I thought, this is totally off the point of my question, but it's something that's very, very interesting. And it does have a relevance. So can you please explain this laughter yoga concept? Because I've never heard of this before. Oh, really? Okay. Oh, laughter yoga. Well, my experience with it, I had started hearing about it many years back and thought, that's for me. 
that is definitely for me because I believe in the power, the magic, and the healing qualities of laughter. I thought that's just really in alignment. And so I started seeking it out. I was living in Santa Fe, New Mexico at the time and found out that there was a laughter yoga leader training in L.A., which was a day's drive for me. And it was really pretty cost effective. And at the same time, I started doing more research and found out, was there anybody doing it here in town? Could I try it out? And I found my friend Christine Baker, who wasn't my friend at the time, but she became a friend. One of the things I love about this business. And she had said to me, well, she was really looking forward to, in the very near future, setting up a training herself because she was qualified to train laughter yoga leaders. I said, well, let's do that here. Then I don't even have to go to L.A. Turned out that we did it in my house. So I didn't even pay for it. That was the trade we did. We did it in my own home on that same weekend that I had available, got trained in a weekend and became a laughter yoga leader. And I am so sold by this concept. It came about in 1995 when Dr. Kataria, an Indian doctor, wanted to test out his theory that laughter really was good medicine. So he got a group of people together. I think it started with five people in the park in India and he convinced them to sit around and tell jokes and laugh. And it was a wild success. He started to see all kinds of positive things coming out of it until after a few days they ran out of jokes. <laughs> you can see this could be problematic. You see, they ran out of jokes, and they ran out of jokes that were positive in nature. Some of the energy of the jokes started to go a little further down into the toilet, and so some of the members were saying, "You know, maybe we shouldn't do this so much anymore." It's nearly, you know, it was good. It was fun while it lasted. He said, "No, please, please don't, don't say no. Give me twenty-four hours, and I will come up with something that will bring this to a new level. Just give me a chance." So he took twenty-four hours, came back. And he came up with what is now called laughter yoga. The concept being that the body does not know the difference in the qualities that you receive from laughing, whether it is authentic laughter from, say, jokes or thoughts or concepts, or if it is unconditional, pure, just for the sake of laughing laughter. Mm -hmm. So he came up with games and exercises that exhibited joy, um, playfulness, uh, bringing back the childlike playfulness that so many of us adults have lost because we have our to-do list and not our to-do list anymore. And so he created all these games and, and things that would get the breathing happening because the biggest thing about laughter yoga, the yoga part isn't spandex and poses you couldn't possibly do. The yoga part is the pranayamic breathing. And so what happens when we laugh, we ha ha ha, we exhale all that <laughs> out <laughs> to the point where we can't breathe anymore. And then we go, <gasps> and then we laugh again. And most of us are walking around with three quarters of our lungs filled with stale air. But when we laugh or meditate or anything, we start circulating that air. We start oxygenating the blood. We release the toxins. We start getting into what they call the runner's high or the joy cocktail because the oxygen is pumping through the body in such a joyful way. They say that 10 minutes of laughter yoga is worth 30 minutes of aerobic exercise. For me, that's the way to go. I would far rather be in a group of three to 50 or more people laughing, having eye contact, creating those neuro, um, what are they called? neuro neurons so that you, when you see somebody else smiling and laughter, laughing, it brings you to that smiling and laughing yeah. place. So there's so many benefits to the laughter yoga, and I'd like to be doing more 
with it on the road. It, it comes in here and there, and I love it every time I get a chance to. But it is something that I think everyone should experience. And hopefully, if you're hearing this, you'll be intrigued. And you go look up Laughter Yoga, and you find a club near you because they're everywhere now. And then uh, email me back and tell me how it went. Celia at CeliaOnline.com because I'm fascinated by this concept. Fascinated by it. I must admit, you know, you've you've awakened something in me because I've been looking for my own coaching practice. I've been looking for to put a new spin on things and to sort of create something that isn't happening in the area where I live. And I think you may just have given that idea to me. Woohoo! And you know, I'm I'm really keen to sort of investigate this further because there is absolutely nothing. There's there's quite a lot of complementary and alternative therapists and all that sort of thing here. And you can go to yoga classes, you can go to meditation classes and all that, which I don't decry at all. But nothing like laughter yoga. As I said, I'd never heard of it until you mentioned Really? Absolutely. So, uh, food for thought there, Celia, <laughs> definitely. I'll tell you what. I, I, we, you and I keep talking on uh, Facebook about me coming over there I could come over there and we could do it. Absolutely. Yeah. Brilliant. I mean, I'm, I'm really, really, really sort of looking at all the different ways possible of actually getting you over here. And that's, that sounds like a real good one. Yay. Yay. Brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. One of the things that I've told you about, actually, I think, during one of our conversations on Facebook. When I got um, difference of opinion here, please bear with me, because it's natural for me to say shaman journey rather than shaman journey. Mm. <laughs> so when I got, thank you very much for doing that, I'm getting the, the downloads of that album. On the Saturday morning after I'd got it, I was having a meeting with my agent and she came as I was partway through listening to the album. I went to turn it off and she sat in our lounge and she said, don't turn it off, leave it on. I like this. And she'd only heard probably two minutes of it, something like that. And she actually sat there totally mesmerized with what she was hearing for the next three tracks. And she said straight away then when we'd finished the meeting and all that, she said, can you get me a copy of that? Because she said, I've, I've, I've been studying shamanism. And she said, and it goes very, very well with what I'm doing. So, you know, you've hit the right chords there. <laughs> Excuse the pun. Nah, nice. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's absolutely wonderful. But can you sort of give the, the listeners um, sort of the thinking behind the creation of that album? Oh, sure. Thank you. And yes, shame and shaman, I, I hear both of them and I'm fine with whatever people want to call it, as long as they buy it. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I am entirely kidding. So that, okay, let, let me start by saying a couple of years ago, I started realizing what I could do with the looping capacity that I have in my live shows. Now, Dave, you've never seen me live, but I do this thing called looping. Um, it is a device that I, is at my feet, and what I can do is record a track and then play it back. 
yeah. and then record on top of that and play that back. You may have seen others do this, or maybe even me do it on online. But um, a lot of people were coming to me after I would create a loop like this, which which means I can I can sing with myself. I can play the bar on the Irish drum with myself. I can do the keyboard. I can do the guitar. I've I've made it so I can loop everything that I put into my system. Mm-hmm. So it is a very inexpensive way to have a band. <laughs> oh yes, and not have to pay them nor deal with their schedules nor bickering. So uh, <laughs> it's uh, it's been a great way for me to create sound tapestries on stage. And so after I would create one of these, people would come to me and say, "I was transformed." They would say, "I went to a deep place. I had visions. I met my mother on the other side." I mean, all of these incredible stories coming back about their experience when I would do this, when I would layer these tracks. And I know my own personal experience of it is fascinating as well. I'd love to get hooked up to some of those biofeedback machines while I'm doing it because it it fires my right and left brain at the same time because there's science involved. There's system and science involved as well as having to be completely and totally in the moment because if I take a breath at this point, the first time, I have to remember to take that breath the same way every time and match the tones and match the rhythm and the beat. So it's, it, it has made me such a better performer. Oh, my goodness. It's been an incredible tool for that. And, of course, creating this response from people and this meditative response, this going into, I'm not sure if it's alpha rhythms or I don't know a lot about brainwave states, but that's what people were describing. So I decided to create a whole concert that was this mode of creating. So creating these levels and layers, and I started calling it sound spirals. And what I did is I did it in uh, Phoenix and Prescott every month for about three or four months, and then recorded them live, and people were wanting more of it. So I decided to take these live recordings that I'd done. They were 90 minutes in length, because I wanted to give people a real full experience with no applause in between these tracks. They all bled right into the other so they could go to wherever they wanted to go to. And it became very shamanic. It became people would meditate. People, some people would you'd hear little little sweet little snores, you know, when it got quiet. <laughs> some people would dance and move and go to deep places. And they were 90 minutes long, so I had to cut them down because a CD only carries 80 minutes worth of music Mm. and decided to do this series of albums, the Sound Spirals series. So the first of that series I I called Shaman Journey. It has the the least amount of words of all of the pieces that I've created thus far. And I've noticed that people have been asking me for years, do you have have anything for meditation? Do you have anything for for massage a guided meditation? So Shaman Journey is the first of at least three. The next one that I'm working on is called Letting Go. So that theme is all about <laughs> something I know nothing about needing to do called Letting Go. <laughs> and it's amazing how many people I tell the, the title of that. They're like, oh, I need that one. I so need that one. So that is in the works. When I get back from this tour, I'll be working on the music for that. And I'm not quite sure what the theme for the third one will be. But I found a fantastic artist um, who will be doing the artwork for it. I have the artwork for the first two, Letting Go and The Shaman Journey, um, Eduardo. Um, and now uh, uh, Rodriguez is his last name. I'm, I'm blanking right now, but it's all on my Facebook page. You can go check that out. And 
found this incredible artist because somebody posted a picture of his artwork, uh, his oil painting, on my page. Someone from high school, my friend Carl Alinsky. And she said, this artist reminded me of you. I went, oh, there it is. I started looking at his stuff. I was so excited. And he paints all these spirals in these incredible images. And the, the one for Shaman Journey is so the spiral around this ball of light. He called it manifestation of light and allowed me to use it. I'm so excited. So that's sort of the story behind how these came to be. And again, this is very different from some of my other work. You know, as a singer-songwriter, these aren't story songs. These aren't beginning, middle, end songs. These aren't political songs. These are designed to bring the listener into a brainwave state that takes them wherever they need to go. And it's the response has been amazing so far. I sat on it for a long time going, I don't even know how to release this. I don't even know what this is. I don't, okay, here it is. And thank you, Dave, for, for listening to it and sharing some of your insights because it's helping me realize that this, is, this has value and, and people are really, um, it's, landing, it's landing in a very positive healing way. So that's the story. As an album, it, it just works. The whole thing just fits together so well. I, I've got to give you... 110 out of 100 for it because I think it's brilliant. <laughs> Bless your heart. <laughs> Bless um, your heart. Thank I, you. I, I hope that um, you know other people that listen to this interview will be prompted to sort of dive onto the different forums that they can go to and, and grab hold of a copy of Shame and Journey because it's brilliant. It really is. Well, I'm a fan of yours anyway, as you know. I love Symbol and I love Acid Rain. I think Acid Rain is brilliant. So <laughs> that's great. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing because I <laughs> I wrote that song. I went to a little songwriting workshop and the advice was go write a bad song. Go write a bad song just kind of to get people out of their um, I think writer's block. You know, this I can't write it down if it's not good. So I, so I attempted to go write a bad song, and that was the song that came out. Well, to be perfectly honest, it ain't a bad song. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's blooming good. Let's sort of move right up to date now. You're on tour. Yes. How long's this tour? Because the last one was a marathon, wasn't it? <laughs> God, yeah, I, I tend to like to go out for a long stretch because, it, you know, it's kind of like make hay while the sun shines. And this tour, I think I have 25 shows in a five or six week period. Most every Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm, I'm doing a show. And mostly in the Midwest, in, in the States. So I'll, right now I'm in Wisconsin. I will hit Indiana. I will hit uh, Minnesota, Iowa. Uh, Illinois, I'll be at the Pagan Spirit Gathering in June. And then on the way back, I'll hit a show in uh, New Mexico. And so then, then when I get back, it will be interesting because before I went on this tour, I had to pack everything of my house into a 10 by 10 storage unit because the house was going up for sale on the market. It wasn't my home. I was renting it. Wow. So, so I don't know what happens when I get home. This is very... Very much like my gypsy lifestyle, flying by the seat of my pants, having somewhat of a plan, but just really enjoying not knowing, not knowing a lot of things. All I really care about is I need to have a place to create in and to record because I love to 
if a, if an idea strikes, I love to be able to. This is what I love about technology these days. If I get an idea in the morning, I can record it and share it with the world by evening or even in a couple of hours, depending on the project. So that's the one thing I really need. So yes, I'm on tour, and six weeks, and then goddess only knows. Absolutely. Well, sometimes that's the best way to be. Yes. Whatever happens will be the right thing that happens. Absolutely. And while, while I'm here thinking about it, I want to interject that the artist's name for Shaman Journey, or Shaman Journey, depending on which potato or potato you're talking about, and for the next in the series is Eduardo Rodriguez uh, Calzado. You can check that out on my Facebook page. But I really wanted to honor him because he's amazing. And for some reason, his name doesn't quite just come off my tongue. I had to go look it up. So Eduardo Rodriguez Calzado, check out his artwork. It's amazing. Fantastic. Well, all I can say, Celia, is thank you ever so much for this insightful conversation that we've had this evening. Thank and you. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, now, I do believe that you're going to do an interview with Bridget very shortly as well. Yes, I am. I need to get in touch with her. That's on my list of things once things settle down here on tour but I absolutely adore Bridget and very much looking forward to doing an interview with her as well that's cool have you now that I've got to be careful here because I'd like you to pick one of your tracks but unfortunately I can't remember which albums I've got I've got Naughty and Pink I've uh -huh. got two of the Irish ones and obviously got Shame and Journey and there's a fourth one that I've got I can't think what it is but uh, oh, Red Alabaster and Blue. Yeah, probably if you name some tracks from there, yes. If you would like to select a track from any of those as the playout piece of music, I'll, I'll use that. Oh my goodness, that is sort of like um, choosing a child <laughs> over another child. I like oh. people on the spot seeing that. Yeah, I'm trying to think what would be a very good um, embodiment of some of the things we've talked about. But again, all of these songs have different... I like to call them different branches on my tree. They're very, very different. But um, if you have Ancestor Dance from the new uh, Shaman Journey, that might be good, with the caveat to say that it is the most up-tempo piece on the album. I, I included it as a bonus track. Most of the rest of it is meditative. But I think it's a really fun piece to honor ancestors. It has the, the sense of the sort of native american more earth-based spirituality which i know is something that you talk about a lot so I, i'm thinking that one if if that works for you ancestor dance worked perfectly for me yes wonderful uh, i'm also going to use symbol as well oh please do please do I, I, get, I think that stands for so much stands for a lot for me as well so i, I think it's uh, only fair that i include that as well wonderful um, and may I also share with your listeners that I like to give away music. And if you go to my website, CeliaOnline.com, right now there are, I believe, three songs that are free to download. One is called Angel off my Breathe album. One is called Ave Grace off Carry Me Home. And one I just made free to celebrate Mother's and Mother's Day. It's called Women with Wings, which isn't on an album yet but if you go to celiaonline.com right there on the home page it talks about freebie fridays and how i give away music and by all means uh you can share that with your with your tribe at any time so 
anyway, Celia, I'm conscious of the time now. I mean, we've been nattering away now for nearly an hour. So thank you so much for this interview. I really have enjoyed it. And uh, I wish you every success with the tour. I'm not going to say anything about success with house hunting because whatever happens will happen and that's it. It's wonderful to talk to you and we will get you over to England one of these days. Um, I'm, I'm counting on it. I, I want to get over there. It's been too long. Absolutely. Right. Well, love and light to you, Celia. Thank you so much. And, Thank you, uh, Dave. Hope we speak again very, very shortly. Sounds fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
the Merlin on Colgen FM, the sound of magic. An American soldier came home today Wrapped up as cargo in an American flag He asked for one sweet silent symbol on his grave But the vegan said, sorry son, request denied Well he served as any other with his hands and with his heart He prayed to Father Sky, he bowed down to Mother Earth He honored air and water and the fire he danced around But you didn't honor him before you put him in the ground It's a symbol, it's a sign, it stands for everything divine Excuse me, sir, I think you're wrong I checked it the last time I read the doctrine It said practicing your faith is not a crime So let this soldier rest Honor his request You sent that little girl crying home from school Told her she was evil and she disobeyed the rules You took away her pendant, grandmother's gift But the other kids are free to wear their crucifix And she knows that if you catch her that you'll have her expelled She's frightened every member of the family's gonna hell She's all messed up, she's five years old She doesn't know her rights But her daddy is a lawyer So get ready for the fight It's a symbol, it's a sign It stands for everything divine Sorry, sir, you're flat out wrong I checked in the last time I read the doctrine It said practicing your faith Is not a crime So if you make these children pray Let them do it their own Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to stand up and fight for what we believe in. He's a believer and he wears it on his arm. First day in Nujab, he set off all of the alarms. The memo spread like wildfire that the devil had arrived. And the virus got to corporate and they fired him by five Now all this misperception and everyone runs scared Scared of the neighbors and scared to declare Cause the persecution's high, expelled or fired or denied So what the hell did our ancestors fight so hard for? Freedom of religion, freedom to stand up and fight 
for what we believe in. Freedom of speech, freedom of faith, freedom of religion, freedom to stand up and hide for what we believe in. Freedom of speech, freedom of faith, freedom of religion, freedom to stand up and hide for what we believe in. Freedom of that was my interview with Celia Ferran. I hope you've enjoyed it. I know I certainly enjoyed talking to her. And until the next time we meet, I'm the Merlin. I'd like to say thank you for listening and wish you love and light and blessed be. FM is a Moonshadow Media Production. Yes, one take! <laughs>